Masterpiece Women. Welcome back to the podcast today. We're so excited to have you and talk to Dory Stewart today. You know, on Masterpiece Women, we're all about collaboration. We're all about bringing women together from around the world to share best practices, to share leadership tools, to share ways that we can improve our our lives personally, professionally, and build business and ministries together. So today we have Dory Stewart with us today, and she is a teacher who then became an entrepreneur and has done amazing things. So welcome, Dory. We're so happy to have you with us. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Absolutely. So Dory, I would love for us to start the podcast with you sharing what led you to become an entrepreneur as a teacher? Like, what was that draw for you? Sure. Well, uh, like you said, I'm, I'm a former teacher. I taught engineering for 11 years at the high school level. And throughout that time, I was a volunteer club teacher. I would take my students to various competitions in in STEM fields uh, around the country. And throughout that time, I had my own children. And when my kids were early elementary age, I would go pick them up at the elementary school, take them back to the high school with me. And they would chase my high school students around and get all into all the projects. And I'd come home and they'd ask me, how's this project doing? How's that project doing? And I saw the spark in them and how excited they got at what my high school students were doing, even though they were only five and seven at the time. And so that really led me to start looking at the curriculum at the elementary level. And, you know, my undergrad degree is in elementary, middle math and science education. So what I did is I had an opportunity to just kind of volunteer as a mom to teach an after-school program as a fundraiser at their school for the PTA. And so I took what I was doing with my high school students in a civil engineering course, and I changed it up to make it more developmentally appropriate for elementary kids. Now, this was back in 2008. STEM wasn't a buzzword yet, so I didn't know if this was going to work, you know, teaching engineering to five-year-olds or is it going to catch on or are people going to think I'm crazy and it took off um I had parents excited that their that their kids loved what they were doing and I had some pull me aside after after the class and ask what else I had to offer and so I thought okay this worked uh the kids are loving it the parents want to pay for it and you know, I thought, let's, let's try this and I'll try teaching a summer camp. I knew that the after-school program worked. Let's try a summer camp. So I started um, a, a business and I thought at first, you know, it's a good side hustle for me as a teacher. This is something I can do, you know, after school and during the summers when the kids are off. And it news spread and the neighboring counties uh, started asking me to bring my program there. And I just started growing like crazy. And I ended up after a year, I uh, quit my teaching job because I was able to replace my income, which was amazing. And a couple of years into it, I started getting people that were, you know, kind of falling upon my website, they were Googling engineering programs for kids. And I was getting people from all over the world asking me if they could buy my curriculum or if I would bring the program to their state or their country even. 
And I started, you know, looking at all the ways to grow my business and ultimately franchise my company. And fast forward over the next 10 years, I was able to grow it to 165 locations in 35 countries, reaching over a million students. And so it's, it's been uh, wild and amazing. And in uh, 2020, I sold the business. And now I get to spend my time helping teachers grow their businesses as well. I love that. Love that. Love that. So my daughter's a teacher. I don't know if I even shared that ah. with you. And um, my son-in-law is a teacher. And so I'm very passionate. I love what you're doing. They, they actually were also um, had a little entrepreneur spirit in them. They love teaching. However, they wanted more freedom as parents. And so they became realtors and they have done phenomenal as real estate agents and they work together from home and have the freedom to, you know, go to all the the activities, because I think what happens sometimes with teachers, right? People don't realize how much, yes, it's great because you work, you know, here to there till three o'clock or what have you. But then there's so many hours after that, that are really spent that people don't like you were talking about your kids being at school with you. Mm-hmm. You really spend so many more hours and my actually my other son is also a teacher. So we have a lot of teachers, <laughs> a lot of work, and it's such a great, great um, profession. And yet mm-hmm. it is a lot of work. So I love your entrepreneurial spirit and how you were able to take your gifts and talents. And that's what a lot of people really need to hear, I think, today, right? Dory, mm-hmm. is that you have these gifts and talents and you can do so much more with them if you open up your mind and you think about it from an opportunity perspective. And you don't have to do a full-blown business like you did initially. It takes steps, right? You take one mm-hmm. step at a time moving forward versus trying to do it all at once. And I think that's where it becomes overwhelming. So that's yeah. exciting to hear your story and how you took those gifts and talents. What were some of your most difficult pieces of launching that business? What were your difficulties and how did you overcome them? That's a really great question because each stage of the business presented new challenges, right? And so right. in the very beginning, it was kind of like, uh, you know, who am I? I'm a teacher. I don't have an MBA. I don't have any business background. What am I doing, you know, starting a business? And especially when I got into franchising. So when I first started my business it was and it was local, I didn't have as much of the, the mindset stuff uh, coming in, but when I started franchising and I started um, communicating with and meeting professionals who were, you know, extremely successful, I mean, you've got Subway and all these, you know, huge brands that have thousands of locations. And I actually had a franchise consultant tell me that he didn't think that my business uh, was franchisable. He didn't think that... Um, he didn't think that people would understand it and, uh, you know, recommended that, that I don't franchise my business and that I grow it in a different, different way. And, you know, STEM wasn't, you know, a buzzword yet. And so, you know, my program reached kids as young as age four. And so people thought I was crazy. Also in 2008, 2009, great recession, people thought, Mm -hmm. okay, you want to leave your steady teaching job with all the benefits and you want to go teach engineering to four-year-olds and now you want to franchise this 
okay, you're insane. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, each stage of business growth posed, you know, brand new challenges. And so you're absolutely right. If I had thought about at the beginning, if I had thought about franchising and thought about, you know, all this growth, I probably wouldn't have done it. I would have been overwhelmed, but it's really just looking at, okay, what's the next step to grow my business. And let's concentrate on that. And if you start looking at all the other pieces of the business, it's, it'll likely put you in analysis paralysis. Absolutely. And you know, they say, you know, prosperity comes to those who hustle, right? In, mm-hmm. We do in our Masterpiece Women membership, we do the Thinking Grow Rich with the biblical application program. And you think about when he, when um, Napoleon Hill did that book, it was back during the you know worst times in um, economic history, uh, only close to 2008 and current situation, right? But yet so many people were still prospering and so many people were still achieving great things. And I believe that that whole paralysis, people step into that place of fear and they let the lies overcome their minds. And so when people ask, why is mindset such a big deal? Don't I just need to hustle a lot? I just need to work harder. But yes, you need to work hard and you need to implement what you learn. But the mindset is really where it all starts, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, you know, it's easy to kind of think your way out of growing a business or think your way out of starting a business and, you know, really just having a growth mindset and believing in yourself, but believing in your ability to figure it out. Like I, I don't have an MBA. I don't have it all figured out, but I believed in my ability that I would be able to figure it out. And this is what I love about working with teachers is because teachers we we're trained to figure it out you know you don't expect to know everything when you go in you know my first year teaching I didn't know everything I didn't know all the software and and you know everything about engineering you got to stay a couple steps ahead of your students right and it's really like that in business you've got to just stay a couple of steps ahead and you know believing in your ability that I'll be able to figure it out Absolutely. And that's the key. Even, you know, when you're serving other people, even being one step ahead of them is enough to be able to coach them, to be able to help them. People think, oh, if I don't have everything figured out, I can't move Mm -hmm. forward. You just have to have that next step figured out and then take Mm -hmm. the next one and the next one and the next one. And I often, you know, go back to my climbs on Mount Kilimanjaro base Camp Everest. Like, I didn't get there by just going, okay, I'm think I'm, I just ran up there. It's the one place you can't run. Right. And business mm-hmm. building, I believe is the same way. It's at one block at a time, one step at a time, you know, mm-hmm. you figure out this, yes, you have to have plans. You have to have goals, but the reality is sometimes like yourself, you had no idea where it was going. Mm-hmm. You just knew that you had to take that one step ahead of the next. And yeah. eventually you saw the the picture and it actually morphed a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about that. How, how did it morph? Like when you ended up doing the franchising, how did you determine that that was a better option than the other for you? 
Yeah, that's a really good question. I, I did a lot of research and that's, that's another thing teachers are really good at is yes. you know, diving in. I got my hands on all kinds of books and, and talked to as many people who would talk to me before I ultimately decided the business model to grow my business, you know, because I didn't have a business background. So really anyone who would give me a few minutes and let me pick their brain, I, I talked to anyone who would humor me. But um, yeah, and it was really like looking at, okay, there wasn't another business out there like mine, but there were other businesses out there kind of in the same space. So I did a lot of research looking at, okay, there are franchise companies that are teaching kids about art or teaching kids about music. And I started looking at their business models and looking at all of the different options and looking at what they were capable of. And I really felt like with franchising, I would be able to impact more kids than if I were to grow it. And if I were to create uh, company owned locations, you know, all around the world, really. But then how would I manage that? How, you know, my first international location was in India. How would I be able to really control a business in India? I mean, that's just, I mean, talk about daunting. And so with with franchising, you have that owner operator that that knows their own community best. So it really made a lot of sense. And so that's really the reason why I chose that as a business model for growth. So if someone were building their business and they were considering doing franchising, what would you recommend? How would they even get started? What would be the best first step? So the first step is really a feasibility study, really looking at, is this the right business model for me? And so there's two things that I always ask people who are looking at franchising their business. And the first is, is my business successful and profitable? If it's not successful in a proven system, then don't franchise it. You've got some more work to do because you want to make sure that when you do franchise it, your franchisees need to be successful. So that that's a huge uh, step. Uh, the next one is, is this a business in which someone else other than you could run it and be successful without you? And if that answer is yes, then that is a good indication that your business is franchisable. So really, that's the first step is looking at, is this the right business model for my business? Wonderful. And what are some of the franchises that you've seen that are hot? Like what are the um, opportunities that are out there for people who are considering building a business and maybe buying a franchise or getting into a franchise model? What have you seen, Dory? So it's, that's a really great question because the pandemic really created superstars out of two different industries that I have noticed in particular. The first is home health. And so with the pandemic, people decided, you know what, I don't want to send mom into a nursing home. I instead want to have someone, a caregiver come into the home. And so home health care franchises are hot right now. They're doing very well. People are doing a lot to keep their, their loved ones at home. The second industry that I have found has really skyrocketed is home improvement. And it, and that goes from everything from lawn care to handyman services to really anything that involves the home. And again, with the pandemic, 
people are working from home now and people are looking around their, their home and like noticing all the home improvement projects that need to be done. And so that industry has, has really uh, taken off um, due to the pandemic. Wow, that's so true. It's so hard to get anyone to do anything. We live in South Florida. And if you want any remodeling, anything done, it's weeks and weeks and weeks out now. So I I agree. That's a great industry to be in for sure. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about what is it you're teaching teachers? Like, what is your passion now since you sold your business and you're working with teachers? How are you helping teachers? Yeah, so I I love helping teachers, you know, kind of kind of do what I did and take your passion, your idea. It doesn't have to be in education, but really I believe that that everyone has a passion inside them that can become a business. And so I help them through the entire process, whether it is finding out, you know, what is your passion and in and how to launch a business or is there something that you're already teaching kind of like I did that you could make into a business you know english teachers are have so many talents in in terms of writing and and you know copyright services there's so many different businesses and so really kind of looking at okay what are your experiences what is your what is your education like and then what are your passions and how can this uh, be launched into a business, and then beyond that, how to grow a business and scale a business. I love that. So in our membership, we do a teaching on how to build an online business and a membership-specific platform. And it's interesting because some of the best people that are the most successful in that platform are teachers. And the reason being is because there's so many teachers out there that don't want to do their lessons plan, lesson plans, for instance. So you can create a membership by engaging the teachers, teaching them lesson plans and build a whole sustainable monthly income model that way. And I actually asked my daughter, don't you want to do that? She goes, I don't have any lessons plans left. So I was like, <laughs> darn, that's a really great model. Um, it's very successful. Now, um, one of the things that I, I find about that is how do they balance? Share a little bit about how you balance, Dory, doing a business part-time and teaching and managing the home Talk a little bit about what that looks like for you. What are some of the changes you had to make in order to launch a business? Because teachers are busy. Yes, teachers are very busy. Yes. And I wasn't just a teacher, but I was also an advisor of a very large after-school club too. (laughs) So it's a lot. But for me, what helped a lot was involving my kids in as much as possible And lucky for me, they loved it. So, you know, way back in the beginning, we had an assembly line at the dining room table, stuffing envelopes. They would help me put signs out in yards. And of course- I love it. You're creating entrepreneurs already. Exactly. And, you know, of course, you know, they were great guinea pigs too for my curriculum, but it got to the point, you know, even as they got older, where, you know, every time I had- a discovery day where I would bring people in to look at the business from all over the world, they would get so excited and what countries are here this week. And, and, you know, they would keep tabs on everything. And 
my son is a bit of a geography nerd. So I remember one day him asking who's coming to Discovery Day. And I thought, oh, he'll never hear of this country. And I said, oh, we've got a group from Azerbaijan. He was like, oh, I know where that is. He knew where the country was before I did. So <laughs> that's awesome. Right. <laughs> I love that. And were you able yeah. to take him to travel with you? Did you get to go uh, see some of the countries? I didn't take him uh, out of the country, uh, but I did did take him to some of the local locations, and it was it was a lot of fun. You know, he my son was great at being critical of the curriculum, and my daughter I would put her in our programs, our pilot programs, and she would help me critique the teaching of it as well. So she would come back and say things like. Mom, I think that they spent too much time on this and we needed more time on that. You know, that kind of thing coming from a kid's perspective was great. (laughs) That's fabulous. You know, and I think people do miss that when they're thinking about how do they build a business? Oftentimes the piece of that that is missing is the parenting because the business owners tend to go all in in their business and try to figure out how they're going to juggle their family on the side. And I love how you did that. And I think it's such a valuable lesson because I I did the same thing. I I was a nurse, started a nurse staffing company. And so we had offices all over. I did not franchise. I semi-franchised because I had my vice presidents that made a big chunk of everything. So I did it that way. But my kids came to the office. They got to go to meetings. They got to be a part of the different things and the parties that all those things so that they could see what was going on. And to this day, it gave them more of an entrepreneurial spirit. I have one child starting a business. I have another one. Of course, my daughter, who was a teacher, she has a master's degree and she's doing, you know, they're building their own business versus a master's degree for teaching. Cause you know, her dad was like, do something steady, Freddie. She wanted that. He wanted her to have that steady paycheck and I'm an entrepreneur. No, go build your passion, go build your dreams, you know, (laughs) but it really impacts our kids. And we have a choice of how we do it with like you did it, right? Our family should come first. And so doing it that way and really involving your kids versus trying to juggle, okay, when am I spending time with kids? And I think that's a biggest failure when you look at children of entrepreneurs and sometimes even big hearted pastors and ministry leaders they get so involved in their why that they they take the kids and the family out of the equation a little bit too much and they don't get to benefit from it. So now you, you know, it'll be interesting to see what your kids do with their futures and have, you know, you may have two entrepreneurs out there building their own businesses because they saw mom model that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I, and if you include them in it and they see, all the hard work, I think that they appreciate because, you know, they're getting benefit from your successful business as well. And they can appreciate that because they actually see all the hard work that you put into it. I agree. I think there's so many valuable lessons in building business and in great leadership and the modeling of it and how you interact with your staff, how you interact with the people And even, you know, from an international perspective, there's nothing more valuable than to have kids be able to see the different, you know, backgrounds of the different countries and experience the cultures. And um, I was blessed with 
leading an international movement and being able to take my kids all over the world and seeing the different cultures, the poverty, the things that I as a child had no experience changes your life forever. And so I encourage if there's parents listening to this today, get your kids more involved in whatever you're doing, because it is, there's so many great lessons they can learn and turn into a positive versus the negative because my parents were too busy. They didn't pay attention to me. Let them be a part of the picture. Let them be a part of that um, journey because it is so valuable. Absolutely. We do them a disservice when we shield them from, from things good and bad, you know, if, if the more involved they are in, in our lives and, and see what we're doing, the more understanding they'll have and the more, you know, um, the better perspective they'll have as adults. A hundred percent. Yeah, I agree completely. So let's, let's talk a little bit. One of our key topics that, and you just kind of said a little bit about with our kids is authenticity with Masterpiece Women. We're all about collaboration and we're all about authenticity. So oftentimes as leaders, leaders try to not be authentic because they don't want to show their weaknesses. However, sometimes our authenticity is what is of more value to our team. So is there a time that you remember having to be authentic to your team and just going, oh, it doesn't feel good, but there was some great results from it? Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and in the franchising industry, the relationship with the franchisor and the franchisee is a very complicated relationship. Um, they are taking your business model and implementing it in a local market, but they're relying on you to you know, make sure that there are systems in place and curriculum is updated and you have you know, um, fresh marketing materials for them. And so I remember uh, early on in the business, we did not meet our deadline for getting all of the curriculum out to the franchisees in time to market for their summer camp. So there was a delay in, in the curriculum. And I had to tell them because it affected their marketing that there was going to be this delay. And I was scared to death to put that information out there. I thought, oh my gosh, they are going to crucify me and never forgive me. But what ended up happening, and I did, I did have a few complaints, but what happened is I actually had a few say like, what can we do? Let's help out. And it ended up making the franchise franchisees feel a bigger connection to me and my team at the home office. And so it, it ultimately had a positive effect and I thought it was going to be just devastating. (laughs) Right. And it gives people permission to just be real as well. When you're, when you're real, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I've seen that over and over. So here you are a teacher you have no business experience, you have no business background or degree or what have you. However, you did so phenomenal. And I love that because that was my story too. I was a nurse. I just knew how to be a good staffing nurse. And I just replicated that, which is what you did. So I love that model. Um, From that though, what I remember most of all in those early days was finding a great mentor, finding a group of I joined a group, it was called Vistage at the time. And now I actually am doing some coaching of those kind of groups myself because there's such value in coaching CEOs, right? And learning from them. Is there 
someone that helped you when you first got started to, you know, that gave you a great piece of advice? What was it that they shared with you? What was the advice that people gave you that was the most valuable to you when you were first starting your business? That's a great question. Um, when I first started franchising, like I said, I had I had a franchise consultant tell me this isn't going to work. And so finding women in franchising is difficult. Only about 10% of uh, found franchisor founders are women. And so finding my people was was difficult. But I found a franchise attorney who uh, a woman uh, local to me in Virginia, and she was so patient with me and answered all my wild and crazy questions because I really had no experience. And she didn't try to make me feel, and not that, not that the other franchise consultants intentionally tried to make me feel stupid, but they made me feel stupid in that I was not in the right room, you know? And so she gave me uh, the confidence that, okay, you can do this, you know, and, and it, nothing, um, you know, earth shattering in terms of specific advice, but really just having someone in your corner who believes in you is everything. A hundred percent. When you have your, your tribe around you, right? When you have people around you that are encouraging you. And I think it is very valuable when you're considering who you're working with, whether it's your legal advice, your CPAs, having people that believe in you, number one, that are going to encourage you. I remember changing an attorney once simply because of their attitude, because Mm -hmm. they did, they did not encourage me. And I kept walking out of the room going, I'm so defeated. How am I going to ever do this contract? And, you know, it was Mm -hmm. just, it was so, um, energy sucking. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what a good word for that is just suck the wind out of my sails. Mm -hmm. And so have making sure that those people that are supporting you from that perspective, believe in you, number one, but also having people that have gone before you is so invaluable when um, I think about these mentorship groups that I was in, I remember being with CEOs of these big corporations in my community. And here I was this 25 year old kid, didn't, didn't know a thing about business or what I was doing, but somebody gave me the advice, get a good mentor, get in a group, a mastermind group. And so I found one and did both got a coach. I would, I don't know how I would have survived had I not done that. Um, Mm -hmm. so that was my big piece of advice. And I, I always tell everyone, if you're first starting, go with people who've done what you want to do. So teachers, if you're hearing this today, reach out to Dory because (laughs) she has gone before you and she can support you. And, um, if you're on this call and you've considered masterpiece women community i'm going to encourage you if you're an entrepreneur or you just want to grow personally and professionally in your mindset for whatever you're doing join our community of women because they're very supportive they're very encouraging and we collaborate all the time and i think it's so key were there some key people dory that you collaborated with when you first started that you went yeah, I'm going to work with these people because they just get me and they're supportive. Yeah. So other than my attorney, I found a really great accountant. And then 
specifically within the franchise industry, I finally found my, my, my women. <laughs> Good. And it, there's a very small group of female uh, franchisor founders. And so, yeah, we found each other. There was about 10 of us in, in, you know, a mastermind group that, that we would meet with periodically. And um, that was everything. Having people who understand you because your staff doesn't understand you, your family doesn't understand you. You know, you've got to have people who are, you know, in your shoes and, and can walk alongside you and support you. Absolutely. Well, I appreciate you being with us today, Doreen. Is there anything you'd like to leave the women with before we close this podcast? I would say believe in yourself. Uh, even if others don't quite understand what you're doing, trust yourself and believe in yourself. That's a great piece of advice. I couldn't have said it better. So thank you for being with us. And ladies, believe in yourself. Make sure that you surround yourself with people who understand you and have a wonderful day. We'll see you on the next episode of Masterpiece Women Podcast. <laughs>